Well, thank you all. I'm honored to be here. And let me tell you this right off the gate. Uh, <laughs> probably one of the hardest days to come preach anywhere is Mother's Day. <laughs> Phil sent me the thing. I'm not going to lie. Look, I, ha I have a wife. I have, you know, five kids, four at home, two teenagers and a four and three-year-old. So uh, I have a bunch of kids and, and a mom at home, too. And I'm always like, especially with you all here, like I know your heart. Your all's heart is a lot like mine. Um, I've gotten to know, I don't know Fred really well, but I know his heart. I've, heard, I've just seen so much that he does. Um, but I definitely feel, and Seth and everybody, and Allison, uh, like I just, your all's heart is my heart. And the fact that, you know, even I'm a director of a team challenge now in Cumberland, um, and we're not in competition with each other. You know what I mean? We're, we're supposed to be, we are on the same team. And I love the fact that y'all act like it. You know what I mean? Because that's hard. To, it's hard to get everywhere. I'm just being honest. Not only in the recovery realm, but in the church realm too. And so uh, it's an honor to be here. And I love your all's heart. But when he messaged me and said, hey, man, you, you want to come preach? I'm like, yeah. He said May 14th. It didn't even dawn on me when he first said it, right? Until I said my, told my wife. And she's like, what day? I was like, May 14th. She said, did you tell him yes? I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> she said, I didn't see anything on the schedule, honey. I mean, I looked at my calendar and there was nothing on there. And she said, well, that's Mother's Day. And I'm like, ah. But my wife knows the plans that the Lord has and knows that he has me out a lot. And then I found out they was going to Nicaragua and all that. And, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Um, and <laughs> I would just watch, you know, the Lord does things to, like, give you a little not only the fact that I love y'all guys and, and would love to be here. I came here and talked not too long ago. Just I'm an evangelist at heart. I hit the streets all the time. That's that's just I have a church and I pastor and I preach, but really I would rather be out there somewhere right now in a homeless camp or a drug neighborhood or somewhere preaching the gospel and ministering. And we need this too. But my heart and passion and my main thing is that. Um and so we was watching anybody seen Jesus Revolution in here? Y'all y'all have seen that, right? Well, there's also a documentary that goes with, that goes with it called Frisbee. And uh, a very good mentor, leader of mine in Jesse, West Virginia, Pastor Jay, after I watched that movie, he's like, you got to watch the documentary. So I watched the documentary, and Lonnie Frisbee was uh, definitely an evangelist and definitely different. I mean, God used him. It still blows my mind. Like, it makes me realize that God can still use us <laughs> because he was a mess. You know, I mean, he was a hippie, a drug addict, he was homosexual, all of that. And God chose to use him because he was seeking after something, and he found him. And God used him to start, was it Calvary Chapel, I think. And then after that went away, like what you found out in the documentary, that movie's all about Greg Laurie and Calvary Chapel and all of that, and Chuck Smith. But then after that, Lonnie messed up, fell back into homosexuality, came back out of that, and got tapped into another place and started a whole other church called The Vineyard, which is now huge. So there's like 20,000 churches that Lonnie Frisbee is responsible for. And the day that we just watched, but when you messaged me, we had just got done the night before watching this, this documentary. And the first day that it happened that Lonnie Frisbee preached and it turned into the vineyard was a Mother's Day message. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I think I'm supposed to go even though it's Mother's Day. And I said, but my wife's got to be okay with that. <laughs> and so she said, yes, honey, go. Um, but I also want to tell you that I told, told Phil on the way over here, like, because it's Mother's Day, uh, you know, it was really hard this morning. I don't know how many of you mothers feel that. How many moms do we have in here again? I couldn't see them all. Wow. Thank you all. Like, really, I'm honored to be here trying to give some hope and message from Christ on a day that is hard. And I love your transparency to get up there and say it's not always a celebration day. Even for the moms, it's not really in loss. And, and I'm just a transparent person, so my wife knows she's transparent, whether it's coming out of my mouth or hers. I'll be transparent for her, too. Today was a rough day. We got a 17-year-old. Anybody else got moms? You got somebody graduating this, this, this year or close, like, or have had that happen already? That's a hard day for mamas. Us dads, we're like, yeah, kids are graduating. Moms are emotional. You know what I mean? Saying in a week, my my set my eighteen my seventeen year old turns eighteen Monday, tomorrow, and she graduates Saturday, or two Saturdays now. So like it's emotional for mom right now. You know what I mean? Everything's coming against her. She don't want the baby. To, I'm like, yay, go fly. She's like, no, I don't want to lose my baby. You know what I mean? 
So she's going through emotions and all kinds of things. And, and you know, I, I just realized this morning, and, and as I've been preparing all week to even come here and with the Lord, it's like, what, what in the world am I going to say on Mother's Day? It's the first time ever being at a church. Like, Lord, you're really like, it's got to be you. And he said, I just need you to be honest. And I really feel like what I've seen since I've been asking that question, it's not only for mothers, it's also for every Christian sitting here. Right now, things are tough and the enemy just wants to wear us out. The moms, I just want to encourage you today. I hope this message is, is something that builds you up today and not just for moms, the ones that's not moms, for Christians for leaders, for people that's just came to Christ. Like you need to know, I promise you, and, and I, may, I may throw my notes to the side. I don't know. This is what God does to me. But right now what I know, and a lot of pastors would probably disagree with me, is the enemy's main goal and main focus is not to fill up hell. We might think that, but as the more I've walked with him and done this and been in the trenches, there's a scripture in... I, I, I want to just give you a biblical background to what I'm saying here that makes sense to me. 2 Peter 3.11, and this just hit me in worship. I was just thinking about this. It says, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should we live? Look forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Like, you got to catch that. There's something we can do as Christians to hurry along God coming back. Jesus coming back. You say, well, how, how can we do that? That doesn't sound right. It's, it's in the Bible. Like it says it. Look forward to the day of God, of Jesus coming back, and hurry it along, guys. Like we've got something to do to hurry it along. Well, if that's the case, then what do you think the enemy's main focus would be? Slow it down or stop it. He can't stop it. It's inevitable he's going to spend eternity in hell, okay? That's... We've already got the victory, and for those of us that believe in Christ, we have an eternal salvation that we get to go to when all of that happens. But what, not, what, what about the in-between? We have a thing to evangelize, to spread the gospel, to live godly lives. That's what it said, what godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God, hurrying it along, and on that day He will set the heavens on fire, and the elements will melt away and the flames but we're looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth as he has promised as a world filled with God's righteousness. So if, if I'm the enemy and I, want, and I know like this is my end game result, I can either work to try to fill it up or I can prolong it as long as I can so that I still have something I can do here. Because it's also in the Bible that he is the prince of this earth, that he has some power if we give it to him. <laughs> His authority's been stripped. The cross took all other way, right? And so we have to look at this. At guys, right now, moms, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, Phil would hopefully agree with me. And if Seth was here, he would too. I know he would. <laughs> like, we are the head, yes. And yes, we're the ones that set the tone and the standard. But I'm going to be honest with you. If the enemy can mess up the mom... If the enemy can, can make the mom weary, whole house gets a little chaotic, does it not? I mean, come on. Like, if moms, because we can, we can be strong and we can go work and we can do things, but there's just, my moms, y'all are amazing. Like, we don't give y'all enough credit because we can't do what they do. I can't hold it all together. When my mom's gone for four or five days, she comes back and I'm like, oh, gosh. How do you do this? The toddlers are driving me crazy. The drama with the 17-year-olds and then dinner and da 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 And y'all just do it daily because it's what you do. Like, I sometimes sit back and just watch my wife, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. What? How do you? And, and then they got us to deal with on top of it, which is a whole nother. It's like a, my wife says I got six children. I'm the sixth one and the worst one sometimes. But... In all honesty, like just being for real, like moms carry things and do things and they shoulder so much stuff. And the enemy knows that. And, and I watched my wife, I went and preached for five days straight, four days in five, five places in four days last weekend. 
<clears throat> and I was gone, and I get a call on Sunday night. I left on Friday, and I came back like 2.30 in the morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. But on Sunday, I get a call. As I'm thinking about being here, and as I'm thinking about all this stuff in the middle of what I'm doing, and my wife's in the hospital. I'm like, wait a minute, this is my wife. I called her phone, and her best friend answered at 10.30 at night. And I'm like, why are you answering my wife's phone at 10.30 at night? He says, oh, don't worry. Don't tell me that. Tell me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she's like, she's okay. She's in the ER. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why? Her blood pressure's through the roof. They don't know what's going on. They're checking for blood clots. They're doing this. They're doing that. And I'm like, well, I'm coming home. She's like, no, you're not. You're on assignment from the Lord, and I'm okay. And I'm like, but it's, she said, let the test come back. If there's anything wrong, you can come home. But right now, you know where you need to be. And like we know, me and her know that the enemy is trying to disrupt the plans that the Lord has through all of us, right? And for men, like, I can deal with a lot of stuff, but you start messing up my family, you know what I mean? Like, that's going to rile me up a little bit. And so I wanted to come home, and she's, I love her. Like, how you all shoulder this kind of stuff sitting in the ER? She's like, mm-mm, I know where you need to be. I'm good. I mean, there's four kids at home. She's in the hospital, like, and she's like, go ahead. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, man, see, this is what the enemy's plans is. If he can just distract us and slow us down and frustrate us. If he can get us focused on, because I feel like this is what the Lord wanted me to encourage you moms today. Like, for those of you that have kids, how, how many has got, I mean, I got five. So I got, a, I got from 27 to three, okay? I got the whole variety in there. How many of us have some right now, if we be honest, or dads or moms, either one, that they, they just ain't walking where you want them to walk? Come on. Like, and, and I feel like this is the stuff that mom's shoulder, I seen this reality this morning in my wife who's always strong, and, and what they said in the hospital was she had a panic attack. My wife ain't never had a panic attack in all of her life. Never. I was the one bipolar, manic, depressive, paranoid, schizophrenic, and a 17-year drug addict. I got saved in prison 13 years ago. Radically delivered in one encounter with Jesus. I understand what panic attacks look like. She's never had one. But her blood pressure was through the roof, and all they come up with was a panic. And I'm like, why is this happening now? She's never had that. And it's like a new warfare that the enemy's just trying to do to slow down what God's trying. Because right now, like, I was just talking to John earlier, like, most of the church and most, most pastors even now have this thing of, all oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and it just looks so bad and it looks so bad and gloom and doom. And if we focus on that, man, we're missing the whole point. It's not what I see. And I know not what this church sees because we're on the front lines. We're seeing people getting saved and baptized in the canal parkway and the dirty, them fish was biting. And <laughs> he ain't lying. We're just looking at each other like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. Just keep going. Like, <laughs> But we're seeing that thing. But most people that's not on the front lines that are called differently, they don't see that stuff. So they think, man, it's just getting worse and worse. And I'm seeing a lot of good things. I'm seeing a massive amount of salvations. I just baptized two people last night down in Carmichael's. We baptized people in, out in uh, Summersville. There was just so many things going on. It's crazy. Like I, I remember going with Nick Walker in Martinsburg, and there were 68 people baptized in Martinsburg. Like things are happening that are good, but moms and us, man, like all of us right now, the enemy just wants us to worry and focus on the bad. And man, I feel like this scripture really just needed to come out this morning. And man, it's like a basic scripture. It's, it, it seems like one everybody, everybody knows. But I want you to, to catch all of, all of that in Peter and then go into this. I feel like the word for everybody sitting in here this morning, if you just came in, if you maybe don't even know Christ, maybe you've been walking a long time, but this is it. Don't be missing Galatians 6, 7 through 10. I didn't want to just do verse 9. That's really where I want to hit, but, but I want you to see what he's saying. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. Like no matter how bad it looks, like God's justice and mercy. I love we sang about his mercy. It, it rules and reigns, okay? Like his justice, his kingdom. You have to understand the language. Like there's a different thing of living in the kingdom and living in the world. 
We've been adopted into a new kingdom. We got a new family. We got new rules. And this, this is what we live by, not by the world. So no matter how bad that looks, we have a kingdom of heaven inside of us that we can rule and reign out of and live in. We was talking about that this morning. Like to understand that. And so that's what he's saying. Justice can't be mocked. Listen to this. Moms, you need to hear this. For those kids that you're praying for that you don't see the fruit, for those kids that just seem like they don't get it, because teenagers can act like they ain't paying attention to nothing, but they are listening. I've found this out because I was a youth pastor for over four years. He used to drive me nuts. They'd be on their phones. They'd be doing all kinds of stuff. And you think, they ain't listening to nothing. Not a thing. I keep talking and talking. They're listening. They're li- I'm telling you, they're listening. Listen to what it says. You will always harvest what you plant. Like, moms, you need to hear that. You're going to harvest what you're planting, even though it don't see it right now. It don't look like it right now. Your kids, I got one running off too, okay? I've got three, actually, that really ain't where I want them to be. The one's completely not talked to me for a year and a half, so I'm speaking from a dad point of view that understands this, like I pray for. My my 17-year-old, four years she stayed with her mom and never came around me. She was cutting herself, depressed having sex, getting high, and kissing girls. just being And I seen all that from an hour and a half away on social media and couldn't do nothing but pray, which, thank God, I knew that's what I should do because if I stuck my hands in it, I'd mess it up. Well, after four years of that, I now have full custody of her, and she's in my house. You know what I mean? So listen, I'm telling you, like what you're planting, what you're sowing, you're going to reap it. It may take some time, and they may have to go through and figure it out, but I promise you there'll be a day when no matter how much they think you're crazy right now and tired of hearing it right now, they're going to say, thank you for what you planted in me. Thank you for always showing me, because I feel like that's what moms need to see. Like you're caring and you're shouldering and you're doing so much, and you think nobody's paying attention. Like I'm getting weary, I'm getting wore out. Like what good is it even doing to example this godly life when my own kids won't even listen. But I'm telling you, God says you will always, always harvest what you plant. You can't go out in the natural and put corn in the ground and not get corn. <laughs> you can't put corn down and get tomatoes. Okay? You're not going to harvest something. You will har- I feel like that for you, heavy. I'm sorry, I keep looking at you, but the Lord's just doing it. Like you're gonna, you're gonna see the harvest of what you're planting because it's rough. It's rough to hold this godly standard. It's rough to shoulder all of that for moms and dads. But man, it's Mom's Day. We're talking to them. It's rough to shoulder that stuff and hold a godly example and live godly and holy and righteous and give a standard and not cave in and be their friend and not cave in and just have the relationship. Because four years, I didn't have it. Now I got my 27-year-old that ain't talked to me since Roe versus Wade. It's like I got one back and now the other one's coming. But it's like I trust the Lord because I planted something and it's not for me to determine when it sprouts. It's what I told my wife. I held my wife today and I said, Honey, this word's for you too. You will harvest what you've planted. It's going to take time. That seed's got to die and however it's got to die and however long it takes before it doop, it's going to do. It's coming. It's going to plant. Like it's going to reap a harvest for generation and generation and generation. And so it goes on to say, you will harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Then he says, verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good For at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Just stand, just walk, just sow, just keep doing. Like, we just can't stop. We can't stop this thing. I watched the Bill Johnson message the other day, one of them little tiny ones. I was driving five hours and it just popped up and I thought, okay. He said somebody told him one day, that even though he's walking with the Lord and he's marching, like that the enemy was marching beside him with all he could, running, trying to keep up with his walk. But the enemy wants to convince you that you ain't doing no good because <laughs> he's trying to slow down the process. That's why this all ties together. It's like he's trying to slow down that. And man, if we just don't quit, 
If we just don't give up, if we just keep sowing, keep planting, keep doing these things for the Lord, keep living godly, keep living holy, keep walking, keep marching, like we will see it. Not only in our kids, in our city. I love that it's city reach, you know what I mean? It's the whole, like our, a point of a church is not to build a country club. It's to reach the city. It's to change the culture, change the environment, plant the kingdom of God there and make him Lord over this city. Like, I want to see Cumberland and this whole region declare and, and walk and, and make this thing the kingdom of God. Make this thing Jesus being Lord, not just Jesus being part of your service. Thank you for that. Not just being part of your service. Like, we've incorporated him in a little bit and made him fun. Listen, gee, I've had so much fun for 13 years living for him. <laughs> we <laughs> Hitting the streets and doing that stuff, it's exciting for me. I just say it gets gooder and gooder and gooder. That's my hillbilly language. I'm from West Virginia, so give me some slack. I don't know the city talk around here, but it gets gooder and gooder. I guess I'm going to have to learn being in Cumberland working now. huh? You got, you got to teach me the city lingo. I come from Martinsburg, so I lost it. I had it at one time. <laughs> but really, like living for him, work, walking with him, like it produces life not just in you, but all around you. The enemy would like to convince us that living this way and following the rules, which religious people look at it that way, is boring and you don't have any fun. For those who come out of addiction in here, you know what I mean? This is why I love being here. Like, y'all understand my language too. Like, I used to look at it as when I come to Christ, like, I had to quit having fun. I had to just be boring and go sit in the pew and not move. Well, that was alive in the pits of hell because I remember all my fun now. <laughs> and it's good. But like if we, don't, if we don't set this in our mind, it's like, I think it's 1 John 6 or something like that. Or 1-6. It's in there somewhere, 1 John. It says, I, I, I follow your commandments and they're not burdensome. Like to live by the word of God is life. An abundant life. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to slow you down. If he can't kill you, let's talk to John. An enemy's tried to kill you over and over and over and over, and it ain't worked. You know what I mean? So he's like, well, forget trying to kill him. Now I want to destroy things and slow him down. Like, that's what the enemy's plan is to just slow us down, make us sit in a church, have fun, and just have a country club, not affect our city. Because now he's like, because I feel like that's why y'all are getting this frontline attack and why some in here feel so weary and so heavy burdened and feel like they're not doing anything is because you're affecting your city and your region and you've stirred up more than ground level demons. Like if I can speak like that in here, is that all right? Like I, I deal with deliverance all the time. And I've done it for years as a street minister and hitting the streets and running my the freedom house I had and all of that. But you know what? It's like, there's an area of that, and I feel like it's trained me for something, and I, I was talking about it when I came here and taught, like the Lord has me on assignment this year, I didn't feel like preaching this today, but I'm on assignment this year of going after the night walkers, going after the ones that come out of addiction that's not afraid to run back in and do some damage. And once you start doing that, going from being one to training some, now I've done stepped into a whole different level of demonic warfare and the principalities in the air. I'm not just attacking Odinism in the jail now. I'm not just attacking the drug addiction on the street. I'm attacking the principalities up there with the Word of God and Jesus through me because I've been delivered from that. And now I'm calling this stuff down so that regions and cities can start living and, and activating the kingdom of God where they're at. And it changes the whole environment. So I feel like y'all are doing that. By the outreach, by the obviously the missions thing, y'all are doing that stuff. So there's a whole different level of warfare and that's what I feel like not only moms, but all of y'all need to realize today. It's going to seem, it's going to seem even worse because the enemy is going to try to pour on and pour on. There's different principalities coming. And the biggest thing that it wants to do is attack the family. I'm telling you, if he can, if he can disrupt moms, if he can disrupt dads right now, it just messes everything up. I was sharing my story on this video thing for this uh, ministry called Mountain Mama Rising. For some reason, I was the first man she ever had on there. I don't know if it went well or not. <laughs> but her ministry, her name's Becky Keener. She's part of the Western Prayer Alliance I'm involved in. And her thing is 
Man, she's praying for families. She's building mamas up. She's going after rebuilding families and getting kids back. And we got to talking, and I had a grandmother. I never went to church all my life, really. I, I went twice a year with my ex-wife when I was married that I just was a creaster that went because I had to because her mom said go. I didn't pay attention. They never sowed anything into me, and I never listened if they did. But I had a grandmother that prayed for me all my life, but I never knew it. Until she was in a nursing home after I got saved and I got out of prison. I spent four and a half years straight in prison. When I got out of prison, I started visiting a nursing home. She kept saying, I prayed for you all your life and you're going to be a preacher. And I was like, absolutely not. Are you crazy? Grandma, shut up. You've got, I don't know what medicine they got you on, but no, I'm not going to preach. You might be getting seen now. I don't know, but you're talking to the wrong one. Like I'm the one that just got out of prison nine months ago. And she's like, I'm telling you, I've prayed that, and you're going to be. And before she died, I actually years later became one and got to go tell her that. And she said, I told you, I knew it. But the one thing I can say, this is what I feel like that you, and this was not written down. I don't know. This is just Holy Spirit. The one thing I can say is I found out at the end of her life that she was praying. And so what I think the Lord wants me to really tell you this morning is, don't have that happen. Although I'm glad that I had a grandmother that prayed for me, Phil. It would have been nice for me to see her pray. It would have been nice for her to say, hey, Rob, come over here. This is what I'm doing for you. I'm warfaring in heaven right now that you get saved. I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I've never seen my grandmother read the Bible. I've never seen my grandmother. She never prayed with me. I've never even seen her praying. I really honestly didn't even really know she was a Christian. I'm mean, just being for real. Like, God bless her. I'm thankful that she prayed for me in private, and we need that. But right now, this warfare that's coming against all of us, our kids really need to see it modeled. We need to pull them in and pray with them. We need to pull them in, not just say grace at, at dinner time, and that's amazing. But I can tell you, like, I'll just be transparent. I, my my four-year-old, about a year ago, he came to me, and, and, and I know you all have had this happen. He woke up in the middle of the night, hollering, Dad, Dad. And I run in there, he said, there's monsters. I started to do what every parent did. And my parents, no such thing as monsters, son, and flip on the lights and walk around. And that's okay. But the Holy Spirit hit me and said, don't do that. He needs to hear the truth. And I'm like, he's four. Uh, wasn't even four years. He was like three. I'm like, he said, listen, don't hinder the little children. Tell them the truth. Pray with them. He said, I want you to think about this. Think about the word. Think about, teach him now at three and a half years old. Teach him how to use the word. And I'm like, okay. So I sat down, and it's hard to try to do. It's like you can preach the gospel on the streets, but you try to preach the gospel to a three-year-old. It's They got, you know what I mean? I'm like, like Joe, I need you to listen to me. He said, yeah, I said, listen, son. I'm going to be honest with you. There is monsters, and they're called demons, and they're real. But this is what I can tell you. Jesus is way better. I said, so this is what I want you to say. The word says that perfect love casts out fear, right? I said, who's perfect love? He said, Jesus. I said, you're getting it, son, already. I said, where's Jesus live? He said, I don't know. I said, he lives in your belly. He lives on the inside. Said, That's what the word said. He comes and dwells on the inside. I said, so listen, Jesus is what? He said, perfect love. I said, perfect love lives where? In my belly. Perfect love does what? He says, cast out fear. And I say, then what's that mean? All the monsters have to leave in Jesus' name. He's four. <laughs> He's four, and that's the prayer that I'm hoping he carries in the daggone kindergarten and tells people. Like, I'm, I'm hoping it makes an effect. And I'm not saying that to try to brag. I, it wasn't me, because I was getting ready to do the same thing. Yeah, there's no monsters. Let me flip the lights on and look. And God's like, no, you need to model this for me. And so when I thought about my grandmother, it didn't hit me until I was take, doing that interview that, i never seen my grandmother pray. i never seen her do that. And we can say these things, and we can be like, well, I went to church. Well, that's great. Thank God we need to, but what are they really seeing? And I'm going to be honest. This, you, see, you see my devices up here. Right? I've gotten better at that. But what I'm realizing is if I'm sitting on my phone and my kids are running around, Joe, I was trying to read the Word the other day. It's hard when you get toddlers running around and try to study. And I'm trying to study, and he's like, Dad, 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 Dad. And I'm like, what? He said, quit paying attention to your phone and listen to me. And I thought, oh, he doesn't even know I'm reading the Word because I don't have the Bible out. I have my phone out. 
And if four-year-olds don't notice the difference, y'all, we could be really doing it and studying it, or we might not be. We might be on Facebook scrolling or whatever they do now, Instagram and Twitter and all that. I don't have all that. But we could be on there, or we really could be doing the Word, but there's no difference to them. They see a phone, and you're not giving them attention. So, man, use the actual Bible. I know that's hard now, but i, I got to get the super giant print because I'm like, I'm getting up there in age. But I promise you, I feel, I feel like this is, this is the simple things that we really need to do to not grow weary and to train up and do more. And I want to give you some scriptures about not growing weary. Whatever you're standing for, whatever you're fighting for, like, like I said, moms, I, I don't even know how you all do it. Uh, I'm, I'm baffled every day. But you're going to reap what you're sowing. So I want to give you something really cool in the Word as encouragement. Isaiah 40, 26 through 31. Some of y'all know Isaiah 40, 31. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Um, because I'm not going to lie, I've, I've also am in this category right now. I, I just told you I preached five places in four days and then drove home and then did Bible study Wednesday and then did stuff Thursday and then, like, I've been going to. And, and this is what I've noticed before I read the scripture. Who in here barely gets sick in the natural? Okay. I'm one of them people that I hardly ever get a cold. I hardly ever, I don't have allergies. I don't get all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you when it does happen. And, and moms, y'all really need to catch this. When I don't pay attention to the signs of my body, because right now I've drove a lot, I've ran a lot. I just went back to Carmichael's last night and got home at 1230. I start overdoing myself in the natural. Even though I'm doing ministry, and I'm sure you can relate, it gets taxing and wearisome, and I get weary. And when I don't pay attention to the signs that the Lord gives me to pay attention to, I get echoey in my head when I'm really tired. I don't know if anybody else does that. Like, I can go, rub, 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 rub. I'm like, what is that? But it's my voice. It sounds different. My voice gets deeper. My eyes get really dry. And it's like, I'm, so I know these warning signs, but probably what I don't do is I don't then say, okay, I see these signs. I need to take a day and rest. Because I'm like, no, I got work to do for the kingdom. But listen, that's when I get sick. I've noticed that over the past five years. I've paid attention. When I don't take time to rest in my weariness, I get a cold. I get bronchitis. I get fevers. I get sick. And then I'm down anyway for two or three days. Because men can't handle sickness either. Come on. When y'all men just be on. My wife is like, y'all are such babies. You get a cold, it's like, leave me alone. Y'all women are out there doing the mom thing, still doing everything, wiping your nose and rolling on. And we're like, I need a day to rest. You know, so <laughs> I'm just being real. I'm transparent. I'm good. I'm like, God help me with that. And so it's like if we don't pay attention to those signs, then we get a, a physical illness. It's the same in the spirit. I'm really learning this. I'm really working on this myself because I'm a doer, and I feel like this church is doers. And so as people, some are just hearers of the word, but that's not what James says to be. We're to be doers of the word. So for the doers, we got to watch because we like to do. The woman that came in and poured the alabaster jar all over Jesus' feet, what did Judas say? Oh, wait, we could have used that money to go do things. And Jesus says, hold on, there will always be needs. You won't always have me. We've got to learn that. Like he went and got alone with the Father. He did a lot. Jesus healed, delivered, did all of that. And at times when he knew, come on, if he did it, we got to do it. It's what God keeps speaking to me. If Jesus did it, you better do it. There's times you got to stop and say no and go sit alone with that. And moms, I'm telling you, you're going to have to learn more of that. In this. The warfare is getting ready to intensify. For this church as doers, the warfare is going to intensify. You got to find more alone time. You got to find more time to retreat. Because if not, I'm going to show you what happens. It might not look like addiction and all that, but when you get weary, you're more apt to doubt. You're more apt to worry, which, believe it or not, it's a, like we're not supposed to be double-minded. James, double, James says a double-minded man is unstable in all he does. He's tossed back and forth. That's when we feel weary, right? So listen, it, it's in those times that he'll start tossing us and the enemy throws stuff in, and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh man, this is you're focusing on finances, you're focusing on this, you're focusing on negative and how bad the world looks because you're weary 
and we're not taking the time to sit still with the Father. And I'm telling you, that's the answer. The answer we know in addiction, the answer's not fight it in all your strength. The answer is sit alone with Dad and He makes you new. You know what I mean? The answer is surrender it to Jesus, right? But then when we do all that, then we get in the busyness of ministry and life and we forget that it's in the surrender, it's in the setting still, it's in the intimacy with the Father that we get filled up. Jesus, I'm sure, I mean, could you imagine Him being Him walking around and the droves of people that just would never leave Him alone? Like, like come on. I mean, I've been to Haiti praying for people, and it's like the line just is like, oh, my God. Like, where do they keep coming from? And you're like, praise God, but you start getting weary praying for people. I can imagine everywhere Jesus went, he was tugged on, pulled at, you know, they were everywhere. But he, when he felt that, he stopped, and he got alone, and he got refueled. He sat with Dad. Then he came back out and did it. And I feel like that's what the enemy wants to do to slow us down. If he keeps us from doing that, He's got us, man. And we'll complain and murmur. <laughs> we won't have the Joshua and Caleb attitude. Do you realize Do you realize that story with Joshua and Caleb? That's what I was talking about. Right now the church is looking at the world and how bad it is and how nasty it looks. What did, what did all the other ten spies say? We can't do it. Why? They were scared. See, when you're weary, fear gets in there. And that's the enemy's biggest tool. That's what I wanted somebody to say. They were fearful. They said, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. How did they know that? Because if you know the story with Rahab, what did Rahab say? We were scared to death that you all was coming over here. to. We were so petrified that you was coming here because we heard what God did at the Red Sea. And we've been terrified that that was coming our way. Everything was given to them, the promised land. So the victory is ours in Christ. Freedom from addiction, our family, all of that's ours. But if he can shift our perspective to know that, know who we are and sit with dad being a son or daughter, he's slowing down the process for eternity to come quicker. And that's where he's at. He just wants us weary. He just wants us lukewarm. And he wants us not knowing the Father. John 17, eternal life is knowing him and the one whom he sent. It's not doing a bunch of ministry, preaching really good, and having a bunch of people in your church. It's knowing Him. If the enemy keeps us from knowing Him, we won't know who we are. We won't be as effective as we could, which slows down the time. Because it says to live godly and holy lives, and we speed up the time. You know what I mean? So it's not about getting it all right. It's about sitting with the Father. First John says this, 1 through 6. It says, He is pure light, and in him there's no darkness. I love that. Like, there's, you got to know one bit of darkness in the Father. Nope, didn't exist, didn't exist in Jesus, nor him, or Holy Spirit. So in him there's pure light. And if we stay in unbroken fellowship with him, the blood of Christ then cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We can't not sin enough. We can't fight sin enough. We, can't, we will grow weary doing that. We can't physically fight for our kids enough. We can't tell them what to do. We can't make them do it. But man, if we learn to stay in unbroken fellowship with the Father, sin just comes off of us. Whether it's worry, guilt, shame, condemnation, it doesn't matter. Whether it's addiction, it comes off by spending time with the Father and being righteous, which means you're in right relationship. You know who you are. That's the biggest thing that if we get out of, we start getting weary. And we start feeling it. And so this isn't a condemnation mess. This is an encouragement that there's things that we need to know. Even Old Testament that the Word says, and I feel like these scriptures right now, really, I really want you to hear this in the song that's on goodness of God. Like, listen to this. Isaiah 40, 26 to 31. Look up to the heavens. <laughs> Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another calling each by his name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. He's talking about going after the one. Come on, think about this. Oh, Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? And I feel like that's what we do sometimes. Like, God, how, how can you not see my family right now? I could do that. I could say my daughter doesn't even want to be in church right now. She don't even talk to me. Can you not see that, God? 
But if I focus on that, I'm missing the intimacy with him because I'm focusing on this. He sees that. He sees every trouble that my family's going through. And matter of fact, what got in my grounded in my spirit a long time ago is it's his daughter before she's mine. It's his kid before she's mine. I got entrusted with trying to disciple that. But it's his daughter. So it's like, God, you, you love her more than me. You'll take care of her. I'll leave you do that. And I'll work on this and trust you. And so he's like, he, he not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how do you say that you don't see my troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Anybody else be like, they don't have the right to treat me like that. They shouldn't have said that. You don't know what. Come on. Just being honest. Have you never heard, have you never understood, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. Listen to this. He never grows weak or weary. The one that we have intimacy with, the one that's adopted us, weary and weakness is not even in his vocabulary. Like it never happens. Like he never sleeps nor slumbers. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. We're not going to figure it all out. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall into exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find renewed strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not faint. It's, it's where we're looking to. David said, oh, I know where my help comes from. Like we can't look to our own strength to figure this thing out. When we're weary, we can't say, hey, I, I got this. I'm going to, yes, we need to read more. Yes, we need to study more. Yes, we need to pray more. But we need to sit with him. Like we've got to know who we are. And re- there's a resting in that, to be still and know that I'm God. That's hard for us because we want to do <laughs> It's hard for the doers because we want to fix it. We, I, I, I got this. I can, no, I can't make my daughter read the Bible enough. I can't make her run after the Lord. And I can't make her see and taste what I have. But he can. And oh, if I just let him be my help. Oh, if I just remember, God, you put the stars in the sky. You put the sand on the seashore. Matter of fact, you even think about me more than that. God, I thank you that, Lord, you love my daughters. And you have them right where you need them to cultivate that seed that I planted in. That's you, that I sowed into them. I thank you that you're cultivating and working on that right now. And, Lord, you're going to bring a harvest and I'll reap that one day, but right now I'm just trusting you in the process. I'm thanking you for the process in the day that what I planted will come in. And we just, we just have to really learn how to get in that place instead of trying to fix it. And then Isaiah 52, 12 says this, For you shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. This is what you need to understand too. And I know you was talking about losing a mom and all that. Listen, he's got your back. Like this is what I've always loved about that scripture. Like as we go on the front lines, as you all are doers, you don't have to worry about this stuff back here. So what that means to me is this exactly what happened this past weekend. I'm out doing the work of the Lord and he's got my family. He's got my back when I'm not at home. He's always there. He always shows up. He's always there. Did they go to the hospital? Yeah, but guess what? Not only that, my son got off 103 fever the next morning and the next one come home from school sick. They're fine. As soon as I got home, they're perfectly fine. Had I ran and came home, I'd have missed what happened up there in Buchanan and everywhere else. And I'm telling you, I did a Celebrate Recovery meeting at Buchanan. Now, I don't know if y'all been to Celebrate Recovery and how that goes. I love them, all these kind of meetings. It's usually about 20 minutes to speak and that's it. And then they have their small groups. I started speaking at 7 o'clock. At 10.15, I prayed with the last person. I don't even know how he does that stuff. <laughs> People come up, got delivered words of knowledge and all kinds of stuff happened. That's what the enemy was trying to stop by making me go home to something that was false symptoms that really aren't happening. Because he, he was trying to get my focus. But I understand God had my back. Isaiah 58, 6-14, I want you to catch this. It's, Isaiah 58, does anybody like know this chapter? It's really about the right kind of fast. It's so good because you have all these, I'm just being for real, you got all these religious people then and now that, you know, throw it all out there and fast the wrong way and do all this spiritual stuff and act all holy and, you know, they really don't love people. 
And then God says, I'm tired of all that. I'm tired of what you're thought. It, it means nothing to me. All your worthless sacrifices. And, and, and I promise you, they weren't given the best. They were cheating him and giving him some spotted. You know what I mean? They weren't given the unspotted lamb. That's what they were supposed to do. God knew they were throwing the, you know, the, the one they really could deal without, the one that had a broken leg or whatever. He won't know. Like, they were doing all of this stuff. Like, I mean, being for real, this one's blind. He don't know that. Like, it's God. He knows. He knows what we're giving him. And so, like, in our hearts, like moms and everybody, he knows what you're doing for your kids. He knows, He sees your sacrifice. And what I love and I think ties in with this church is this fact, because at first I was like, what's that got to do with it? But then I sat and read it last night, and I'm like, oh, this goes right with it. He says, no, not this kind of fast. That's not what I want. Free those who are wrongfully imprisoned. Light the, lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bond people. Hallelujah, y'all are right in that. Share your food with the hungry. He just got up here and said about that, the community dinner. Give shelter to the homeless. Come on, y'all got houses. Give clothes to those who are in need. I know you do that. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Oh, ouch. I just noticed that was in there. <laughs> Y'all, that's harder. I'm kind of, I mean, am I the only one? Like, it's harder to do it for family that you know should listen to you. Like, the ones that, you know, it, somebody was saying it today. It's different when it comes from family. I expect the, the world and some religious church folk to attack me. But when my own family does, it's rough. Like, it's harder to forgive. It shouldn't be, but it's harder to forgive them and look past it than it is, than it is the stranger on the street, right? That's why he threw this in here. He's like, hey, y'all doing all that, but hey, don't forget about your family that gets on your nerves too. Like, bless them. <laughs> don't hide from relatives who need your help. Because I know you're like, I've done help this person so many times, and he just keeps going back out there. I ain't helping him no more, Lord. I ain't doing it. He says, don't forget that. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. See, that's in there again. Then you will call and the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply, reply, remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your fingers and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an overflowing spring. Some of you, listen, this is for you all too. When I read this, I was like, this is so for city reason. Some of you all re will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. <laughs> hmm. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interest on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with the delight of the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath and everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight and give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance, please talk about that this morning. With inheritance, I promise to your ancestor Jacob, I the Lord have spoken. I really felt like the Lord that that's that's what the Lord said you need to say to them. That last scripture, that last passage in Isaiah. Listen, y'all are doing it. Everything Phil got up and said that y'all had on the agenda is exactly the fast that the Lord wants to see. It's exactly what will rebuild cities. In Isaiah 61, he talks about being the repairer of the breach, <clears throat> repairing the broken cities. Like, you know, and, and that's the prophecy that Jesus then fulfills and speaks about in the religious group <laughs> and says, bam, I've fulfilled that. I, the anointing upon, upon the Lord, the Lord is on me, upon me, and I go preach the good news and set the captives free and heal the, heal the blind and the brokenhearted. All of those things, that's what Jesus came to do and fulfill. And you all are doing that. And it seems wearisome and it seems burdensome. And it is. If we keep continuing to look at that. But if we know where our help comes from and take joy. <laughs> wow. Take joy that we are fasting the right way. That we are doing the right things. And, and there's a Scripture that I'd never even thought to tie together. But y'all battle the darkness. Y'all cast out demons, okay? There's some demons that wouldn't come out. The disciples couldn't do it. What did Jesus tell them? 
This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And this is what the Lord said, my type of fasting. Because <laughs> I've ran into those. Anybody else ran into those demons that just won't come out? Like, I, I met a guy down at Christ Temple Church in Huntington. He had a hood on, and he was paranoid, schizophrenic, way worse than I was. And the voices were so loud, and everything was going on. And I finally got him up to a baptism tank first because he couldn't even hear me. Like, he's like, I've been there. Got him baptized, and when he come out of the water, he smiled for a moment. He said, no, they're gone. Are they really gone? Are they really gone? I've heard them all my life. Are they really gone? I'm like, they are, and they'll stay gone if you get in the Word. But he was so, he was, he was like 18, but I promise you he had the mind of like a five-year-old. And so he can't even comprehend the Word. He said, I can't read, I can't write, I can't do none of this. And I looked over, and I found his mom. And I said, the Lord said to tell you that this kind only comes out and stays out by prayer and fasting. You need to start fasting for your son. Have you done that? She said, no. I said, these church leaders need to fast and pray for this boy. And the Lord said, look at what Jesus says after it come out. Jesus, in order to cast him out, says, you deaf and mute spirit come out. That's what this mental illness has done to so many people. This boy from five never could hear the word of God because he, seen, he heard voices. I used to be that guy, and I remember when the Lord said that to me, I'm like, all I could hear was the demons. All I could hear was the lies from the enemy. Somebody could have tried to preach the gospel to me all I wanted, and I would have never heard it. I was on so much medication. I was taking 500 milligrams of Seroquel twice a day on top of all my other drugs. I mean, I was a heroin addict, crackhead, meth, all of it. I called myself a garbage pail. Like anything I could put in my body, I did. And I never could understand, and so... The enemy has used drug addiction and all this stuff and mental illness together and he's blinded the senses and numbed the senses where people are deaf to the word of God. They can't even see love or feel love in front of them and there's no way in the world they can even see freedom or see what he looks like because all they see is, I mean, anybody else been here paranoid, schizophrenic or had mental illness? You see things, Okay. And even in drug psychosis, you start seeing little people running around and all that. Like when you see that, you can't see the goodness of God. Like the enemy gets a hold of you and it becomes this deaf and mute spirit that you can't talk or even hear. And if you even want help, you don't even know how to get it. You're so scared and paranoid of everything around you that the only things that works is prayer and fasting. Constantly. And so I'm telling you, I feel like you're all a church that you do that. You're a church that's fasting biblically the way God has, which is why the warfare is intensifying and you feel weary and worn out. So I'm telling you, I'm here today to encourage you that what you're doing is working. I see the fruit of it. He just told you one fruit of it. We baptized a guy in the canal. Uh, <laughs> and I've seen plenty more. Like I just, I keep watching your all's page, man, the men's group, the the feeding the community, the stuff you're doing at the shelter, like you all are affecting the whole region for the kingdom of God. And I don't think sometimes you all know that or feel that because everybody's got their assignment and they're busy. But God's saying, listen, I got your rear guard. You all keep fasting and doing what I want you to do because increase is coming and kingdom is here and kingdom is staying and darkness is pushing out. Because the, the biggest thing that I want to end with this, like, Right now, you had the lights off earlier. It was dark. The only thing that the darkness that everybody's seeing is, is one thing. It's the absence of that. That's it. I don't care how dark it gets. If you turn on one, that little teeny tiny light, square light back there, if it was dark, would, would present something. And you said it earlier, when we start getting together, you have all these lights, now we can actually see and do something. So all we have to do to get rid of darkness in Cumberland in this area is shine with godliness and holiness and purity and virtue, the very characteristics of God, and darkness can't stay. I don't care how much the darkness wants to be in this room right now, it can't. We can see. If the light bulbs are dirty, let's <laughs> be for real, if the light bulbs are dirty and got junk all over them, it's, it's, not, it's not as bright. Come on, this isn't... This thing right here cleans us from the inside out so that we shine like Him. I want to smell like Him. I want to look like Him. I want to radiate Him everywhere I go 
so that people like that homeless guy are like, hey, man, I want baptized today. And he wasn't living right. But, man, he seen something in what we were doing. They said, man, I want that. Please take me out there now. He said, this is the place where I did all my junk. This is a place where I get high, where I drink. I want to be baptized here and start something new. Because we were down there preaching the gospel and our lives aren't perfect. Good Lord, no, I'm not perfect. I still doubt sometimes and get my, but I'm going to tell you right now. I look back in amazement. Oh my God, I don't know how you've done what you've done to me in 13 years. Because I know what used to be sin for me and what's sin for me now. Sin for me now is having some doubts, focusing on money, getting aggravated with my kids when I shouldn't. You know what I mean? Think about that. A guy four and a half year in prison, 17-year addict, that's his worst sins he's got. God did something only he can do. You know what I mean? And I still don't look like him yet all the way. I still always don't smell like him, but more often than not, I do. And that's all it takes in the darkness. You know, Romans is talking to my brother here. Romans says this. I think it's Romans 5, that perseverance, which is the word y'all really need to ground to today. Perseverance in the hard time produces character, and character produces hope. <laughs> so what that tells me is all them trials are coming. The mom, all of that's coming. It's what we do with it. Do we say, God, what are you trying to work out of me? Or do we complain about the situation? Because lots of times it's not removing the situation that's going to help you. You know, y'all know your kids, if you take the situation out of there, they're not going to grow. Sometimes you got to let them go through it. That's how we are too, right? And it's what we do in the process that determines whether we get the character and nature of God and Jesus built in us or the character and nature of the world built in us. So them hard things, when Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me, it's... Do you love the person that's persecuting you? Do you pray for the person that's talking about you? Or do you say, well, do you look for the person? Oh, this is what I always say. Don't call the person that's going to co-sign your feelings. Because <laughs> there's all kinds of them out there that call themselves Christians that will, and I'm just being for real. My people get mad at me when they call me. I don't know why. They get the same answer no matter what. I point them to a Bible verse, and I give them, hey, go pray for them. My, my, my youth pastor a couple years ago, Corey, he called me and said, Rob, this girl's breaking in my house, man. I got her on camera. And then she went running. She looked like she was all high on air when I said, go pray for her. He said, what? Bro, really? I said, go, you can't, where's she at? Well, the cops came and they got her down there and there's an ambulance. I said, go ask the ambulance driver if you can pray for her. Really? I said, yeah, really? All right, he said. And he hung up the phone. And I know he went down there. Not really. He probably had a conversation with the Lord on down there. And he got down to the ambulance. And he knocked on the thing. The cop was like, what do you want? He said, sir, it was my house. Well, you leave her alone, he said. He said, no, can I pray for her? He said, do what? She just tried to break into your house. He said, I know, but I, obviously she's on heroin. I watched the camera. She's a mess. She's strung out. She needs somebody to pray for. She was in the back of the ambulance throwing a fit. They had to put her in another ambulance because she was paranoid and thought something was in that one. So they brought a second one, and, and she said she didn't want to talk to him. But when they transferred her to the second one, she looked at him, and he said, Ma'am, I know you was trying to break in my house, but I love you, and I forgive you. And Would you let me pray with you? And she looked at him. She got up in the ambulance, and then they let her go, and he stayed right there. He walked with her. And he said, Can I walk you home? She said, What do you mean? He said, I just I feel like just talking with you and praying with you. So he got near a property, and he said, Come on up to my house. You want to sit on the porch? Listen to this. This is no lie. true story. You can ask him. She walked up the two steps, and when she got up there, she said, he said, what? She said, the demon stayed down there. He said, what? He said, all the voices and all that, they stopped for a moment. And I can see them, and I can hear them, but they're down there. This feels so good. He prayed with her right there. She didn't give her life to Christ, but she felt the Lord. And he said, can I walk you home? Yeah, please, would you? Because I'm worried they're going to start talking as soon as I get off this property. He walked her to her house, got to pray with her, and gave her information to go get in a rehab. Like, that's the things that we got to do, guys. It's not easy. But that's a clean light bulb shining in the middle of darkness. And although she might not have gave her life then, there was a seed planted. He persevered through what he wanted to do. <laughs> the character of God come out of him and hope showed up in her. 
Do you see what I mean? You see how the Word of God works? Like, we've got to learn to, like, let that thing actually work out. Because I don't know about y'all, I can memorize all I want. And I'm not against that. Some of y'all got bright minds. I know my buddy in, down at Teen Challenge, Larry, he can recite the whole chapter, whole book of Ephesus, word for word. I'm like, dude, what? I don't operate like that. I'm about y'all. I can't keep that much stuff up here. But what I do know is if I actually do something, I remember it. And so it's like today, I don't know how many scriptures I even spit out there that I didn't even tell you where they were, but they're in me because I've done them. Because I pray for somebody when they persecute me. Because I try to love somebody, and if they steal something from me, I give them something else. You know what I mean? Like, those are the hard things. But when you persevere and do the word like that and allow it to do something in you and reflect the character of God, that's shining in darkness. Because everybody else and all the other church people probably would have committed her, arrested her, and pressed charges on that girl. Somewhere along the line, that planted a seed in that girl of hope, and it will grow one day. So I'm encouraging y'all, don't grow weary. It says, that word said, you will reap, young lady. You will reap. <laughs> Not just a little. I mean like hundredfold reap. Because of your integrity and your character that you are planting in them. Employers are going to call you and say, thank you for what you've planted in your kids. Thank you, because they are a blessing to my company. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. So I would just like, uh, I know you said something about playing a, a song there, Dan. Is this okay? Uh, we can do this two ways. Because I know that some of y'all won't, won't come up here, and that's okay. Um, that always happens. And so I kind of like to not make anybody feel bad for that. Because sometimes you just don't. Sometimes you don't want everybody to know you're weary. But if you want to come up here, praise God, come on up here and we'll pray. But I want to pray just like a general thing over this house. Is that all right? Because I, I really feel like uh, the weariness has been overwhelming. And we got to know how good he is. We got to remember that one time we tasted and seen how good he was. and. In that church, in Revelation, when he's talking to the churches, he said, you've forgotten your first love. Repent and remember what you did in the beginning. And I just heard the Lord say that really loud. Like, repent from the weariness and the doubting and remember what you did when you first tasted his goodness and fell in love with him. Whether that was praying for people all the time or reading your word all the time or going out and evangelizing or just spreading the news like that woman at the well. Oh my God, you got to know this guy. Whatever it looks like, your testimony, whatever those things you did when you first were passionate about God, Lord, I thank you right now to just let that fall on people. Bring back the memories right now over these people that are doing your work, that are out there, Lord, and fighting and battling the weariness. I thank you, Lord, that in this moment you would take them to that place of that first love encounter where they first grabbed a hold of you, where they first got free, where they first fell in love. And remind them what they did in the beginning to sit with you. Remind them what they did in the beginning to chase after you, Lord, so that they will continue to run the race. Father, I thank you, Lord. It says in your word to lay aside every weight that entangles you so that you could run your race. Father, I thank you for the race that you've given City Reach to run. It's a hard race. It's a frontline race, and it takes soldiers. I thank you, Lord, for the soldiers that you've enlisted in the army here to infect Cumberland with the gospel. Not a watered-down version, but the real truth of the gospel. I thank you, Lord, for that mission team right now that's sowing into Nicaragua, Lord, that they're running their race over there, and there's ones running their race here. And I thank you that you do not allow weariness to settle in. We just command all weariness and tiredness to leave now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for the goodness of God to begin to fall on the people. It's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance, to go back to that first love. Lord, remind them how good you are today. 
Take them back in their memories, Lord, to just think of the things you've done, the things you've already won in their lives, the things that you've done to set them free and get them out of things and put them in things and the things you've done that nobody else could do but you, Lord. We all have them moments where there's absolutely no other way that we know it could have happened but you. Remind them of that today. Bring that back to the remembrance, Lord. Let them know you have their rear guard. Let them know that what they're doing, they will reap a harvest for, Father. And I just cast off oppression and weariness right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That you would begin to let your Holy Spirit rest upon this group of people that are running after you, Lord. These hungry ones, even the new ones that come in today, Lord. Let them feel and taste the goodness of God. If you taste His goodness, you'll never want anything else. <laughs> He's so good. I thank you, Lord. Give strength to the weary, Lord. Let them mount up on wings of eagles to run their race and not grow weary, Lord. I thank you. Encourage them. Encourage the mamas today as we honor them, Lord, that what they're doing is working and they're planning soldiers for the kingdom. We just bless you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.